Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So, let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey everyone, Eric here from Leadership is Tricky. Welcome back. Uh, So today I'm joined by um, one of my uh, friends and uh, one of my mentors, um, as well as colleagues, uh, Mr. Dr. Stephen Carter. Uh, who earned his doctorate in business with a focus on strategy and innovation. And he's a Harvard Senior Executive Fellow. Uh, He holds an Executive Certificate in Public Leadership, an Executive Certificate in Public Policy from the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government. He holds an Executive Certificate in Management Excellence from Harvard Business School. And uh, Dr. Carter, I'd love to welcome you to the podcast. Um, And, you know, I'll turn it over to you. Just let people know a little bit about yourself. um, and, uh, And then we'll get into the topic today. Uh, good morning, Eric. I'd like to thank you for having me. Uh, it is a great pleasure to be with you today and also to share some insights with your audience, uh, some of which uh, they may already have in their possession, in their in their kit bag. But uh, it's more so to highlight that we have the agency uh, to do the things that we need to do to survive during these uh, turbulent times. Uh, I am a people person. I believe that uh, I believe in the soft truths. Uh, the soft truth is uh, derived from the special operations forces, where the number one truth is humans are more important than hardware. So I would like to really focus on the uh, the human condition and uh, the capacity uh, to endure, uh, survive, and excel uh, under these conditions. So thank you, Eric, for having me. No, no. Thank you for taking the time because, you know, it's, it's pretty early. I know you had a, a, a late night, early morning, busy day. Uh, you know, you've got your Harvard attire. You're looking sharp. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to, 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 to provide some knowledge to our to our uh, user base and our audience. And um, yeah, so, you know, here we are in uh, season two of Leadership is Tricky. And, uh, you know, we left the audience uh, back in the summertime um, and we took a break mainly, uh, you know, uh, Steven, uh, my co-host, you know, he had a child, uh, he was starting a new job, you know, I, I was starting a new position and, um, and, you know, we were in the thick of things and, you know, COVID, ni- uh, COVID-19 was raging through not only Europe, but, you know, throughout the world. Um, and it kind of changed the way that, um, our normal looked. Um, and then, you know, you and I, we, we had a, an episode last season talking about some of the um, benefits of COVID um, on the workplace, right, in the way that we do business. And, uh, you know, over the course of the last few months, um, you've written a, a few articles um, talking about how to be more effective and how to improve your business um, using digital transformation in the workplace and different leadership techniques. And, you know, I've come to you on my, on my professional side, even personal side, like, Hey man, I need some, I need some new tools to, and techniques to, to get through this and, you know, lead my team. And, you know, you've come through time and time and again. And, um, one, I want to say thank you for that. Um, you know, Steven, Steven and I, we, we did discuss it the other day, you know, he'll be back on the, on the show, um, you know, sporadically here and there, but, um, you know, for, for the audience, I'd just like you to know that, you know, Mr. Car- you know, Dr. Carter will be um, a staple uh, this season um, to help us through season two. Um, and, you know, as we go into 2021 and transition into 
um, our new new normal, right? Because there's going to be, you know, there's vaccines out there now that are being rolled out here at the end of 2020. And who would have thought we would have had it this early? Uh, I think they were projecting, you know, three to, you know, three to four years we'd be in this, in this bubble. But, you know, we do fascinating things as human beings. Um, and you know, everything that we've done through COVID, uh, I don't care who's listening. It's been uh, nothing short of fascinating, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, sitting at home as a, um, virtual instructor, uh, with, with your kids, uh, because, uh, you know, the schools are closed or it's, uh, that employee that just started that, you know, is now regulated to telework and they're trying to navigate, you know, their new environment of peers and employees, or it's even if it's, you know, meetings in the digital space and folks having to figure out, you know, what are those business rules that are required to, um, to navigate our new normal. But, um, yeah, we're going to get into it. Um, you know, so just, just tell, tell, tell the audience a little bit about how you've coped with, um, cope with COVID-19 and in your digital space? Because I know you were doing this long before uh, we were forced to, to get in there. And then we'll get into the, the subject matter here and have a good discussion. Well, you know, Eric, uh, when I was in uniform, um, I had a great mentor, uh, a sergeant major, and uh, he would impress something upon me. Um, he would come by the office and say, hey, Carter, let's go. We're going to the range. Hey, Carter. Let's go. We're going out to visit some sites. And I would always say, hey, well, I just need a moment to go get my gear. He would always say, Carter, don't get ready. Stay ready. Um, Sounds like a star major, too. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? Uh, But that that phrase had a much deeper meaning to me. I carried that from my work life into my professional life, uh, because at some point there is integration between the personal and the professional, because we are who we are. We cannot change our DNA. However, we can change how we respond uh, to a situation, a circumstance, uh, or or people. So what I did was I looked at not the past, not where I've been, but where are we going? What is the future going to look like? So in 2018, what is 2020 going to look like? Although uh, I'm not a savant by any stretch of the imagination and I can't predict the future, I do know that the future would be different from my past. So I had to prepare for my future and not relitigate the past. So in looking at our, our the, the technology that we currently have, we have always had the capability to work remotely. As a matter of fact, uh, in the greater DMV area, I, I think they have kind of mastered uh, the art, science, and, and technique of remote working, uh, especially with a distributed workforce. Yeah. So, so just real quick to, to jump in, because that's interesting that you say that. So I did talk to a friend of mine that works for uh, the Virginia Department of uh, Transportation just to get some just to get some data. Right. Because, you know, they they basically, you know, keep data of how many people are on the road at any given point in time. Um, they do that through various means of technology, you know, um, and really what we focused on last night was people that are going through the the easy lanes and, you know, using smart pass, et cetera. You know, what percentage of that last year this time 
um, has decreased this year. And he said at its peak, it was around 43 percent decrease in traffic. But that was really around the March, April, May ish time frame. But he says today or last night, um, the data that he gave me was around 23.7 percent decrease this time last year to to where we're at now. So which was interesting to me because I thought it'd be a lot higher with, um, you know, really the big push for for telework in that area. But um, maybe it's, you know, folks, you know, going back to what they felt comfortable with going back to the status quo. Not sure. But um, I just wanted to introduce that um, into uh, what you had just said uh, specifically in that area. No, and I think that's a great point, uh, because I think with any statement that we make, we should back up with some sort of statistical or, or, or factual uh, conceptualization. So, no, that's actually uh, great information. Uh, but I, I would share this with you as well. Um, and, and you may know the gentleman that I'm about to speak of. Uh, we had a boss by the name of uh, Colonel Neil Katad, uh, a great guy. I've known him for, for almost 20 years. Yeah, we had him on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's really smart guy. He said something one day. Uh, he said it in, 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 I think it was late 2018. He said that we should make every effort to migrate from hardline services to virtual services. He said, for example, uh, we should move from the hard telephone to a soft phone. Because what the soft phone capability brings us is the ability to have a single number that you can use that everyone knows. No matter where you go, you can always have access to uh, calls anywhere around the globe, and they can also have access to you by the same common number that's in your signature block. Well, I took his words to heart. So in, in about uh, mid to late 2018, I transitioned from the hard line to a virtual soft phone. And with that, I updated all of my equipment. I went from a laptop to a tablet. And I started using uh, more technologically based assets as opposed to hardened assets uh, or or even paper assets. So when we hit the start of the pandemic, I'll I'll call it the start of the pandemic, uh, even though it uh, started around December timeframe, as we best know it, according to epidemiologists, uh, we really started reacting around March. And I can recall uh, a gentleman walking around the building saying, everyone immediately go home. We need for everyone to vacate uh, the building. Uh, We're going to telework. And he said, he made a a profound statement. He said, everyone get your equipment ready. He said, make sure that you get all the services you need so that you can function as if you're at the office. So this brought me back to something that the Sergeant Major said. He said, don't get ready stay ready and out of an office of about 30 people i was the only one prepared to work from home as if i was still in the office i had the soft phone capabilities i was already up on the virtual services i was ready to continue work without any disruption it was a seamless transition where i saw the rest of my colleagues uh, and cohorts uh, they were scrambling to get these services and, and and test them out to make sure they were operational when I had tested almost a year prior. So I think that's the key, too. It's really testing. Right. It's ensuring that your continuity of operations and in, in those plans, uh, whether it's disaster recovery or whatever, when it comes to a business um, that, that 
you've tested these plans out um, through vignettes, right? Um, prior to having to really pull or break the glass on 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 those plans, right? Because uh, because around the same time that you know we started to you know head back to telework, I mean, I had already been telling the team that you know I wanted the telework agreements in place. I wanted to make sure that they had all of the capabilities and that we had standardized capabilities across the the the, the team that I had. And, uh, you know, we were prepping for that, you know, months in advance, um, months in advance, because uh, that's just some of those things that I go through when when I take over an organization is, you know, standardization and discipline. And let's make sure that we're, we're ready um, because I don't I'm not a big believer of having people in the office just to have them in the office. I think that today office spaces become a place to get away from your your, your normal. Right. Not the other way around. I don't think telework should be um, your escape from the normal. I think that people work harder, work longer, work more efficient when um, they're not tied to a, a piece of office furniture in, in a building that, you know, probably gives them the heebie jeebies every time they walk in the door. Um, uh, and and you, you provide that flexibility. But, you know, going back to something that you said earlier, though, is you, you were thinking about this back in 2018. But, you know, since you know, we were both, you know, um, have gone through academia and a lot of the programs out there. But academia has been doing Blackboard virtual, um, you know, uh, instruction for, for, for years. I mean, I can remember back in 20, 2009, that's when it was. It was 2009, 2010-ish. Um, I took a few courses with the university that was already an online platform. I mean, they were providing courses globally. Um, and I was thinking to myself, like, man, why can't the workplace that I work my nine to five and make my bread and butter, why can't we have this type of model when it's so effective that I can talk to someone down in South Africa, someone in Australia, someone in New Zealand, um, and someone sitting on the West Coast of the United States all at the same time and be collaborative and be effective? Why can't we do that in our in our workplace when, you know, we're, we're 20, 30 minutes away from each other? Um, but I mean, we're, we're within seconds of communicating by just picking up or typing into that soft phone that you're talking about. That soft client has so much power, um, and you can reach people so much further. And, um, yeah. So one of the things too, though, I, I do want, I don't want to derail your talking points. However, no, no, by all means continue. I know, uh, when even with Microsoft teams, um, and, and I'm not, plugging Microsoft. But what I'm saying is that the platform that they use to tie everyone together globally has been something short of, of, of fascinating to me um, because it connects everyone. I remember you talking about teams way before we were we were on that platform. So talk a little bit about yes. I know you were prepared. You were you were you were moving out. Everyone else was scrambling and you were like, hey, I'm ready to go. Um, uh, but, but talk about the, the effects of the, those online platforms and collaboration and how that's uh, been effective for you. Uh, you know what? I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually have a great vignette. Um, and, and, and I don't usually uh, announce this, especially among a government audience, but I do have my own private management consulting practice. And uh, I sat down with the CEO back in 2016. Um, and um, what we discussed was, I said to her, I said, you should really look at a strategy where you can deliver this face-to-face -face training across a virtual platform. And she said, what do you mean? 
I said, we've been doing this for years. I said, you have a global student body and they have to come back for retraining and recertification. I said, imagine if you can have a virtual platform that allows you instead of having a classroom of only 30 people face to face to having a classroom of 80 people virtually. I said, consider the revenue, consider the impact. I said, that's what you should consider. So back to your point, and the reason I, I, I throw in that vignette is because in order to evolve, we, we as humans evolve, uh, but the culture is evolving, the society is evolving, the people are evolving. So we cannot afford to be in a state of organizational homeostasis in an evolving world. And often uh, I, I, I use this, this, this anecdotal saying that uh, the government, uh, government tra governmental transformation is like turning a frigate. Oh, it's gonna turn, but it's gonna take a long time. However, we cannot afford that type of lag in this dynamic environment. Now, what the COVID environment has done for us, it, it has allowed us to accelerate the process at which we had existing systems to do what we were always able to do. And that goes back to the vignette that I spoke about with that, with that particular CEO that I did consultation for. Now we are finally going where we were already headed. So now when we talk about platforms, the government is embedded and entrenched with, uh, with Microsoft and, and the Microsoft Office suite. So it was a, a natural transition to go to Microsoft Teams. However, there are commercial businesses in the private sector that are having great, uh, great success with Google Teams, having great success with WebEx, that are having great success with Zoom. So there are many platforms uh, that offer these capabilities and even offer greater security. Uh, there was a platform I used many years ago. I can't remember the name of it right now, uh, Meetup or, or Meeting Space or GoToMeeting. Uh, thank you. It's GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting has one of the best security platforms of any one of these uh, web-based communication platforms. So what I will tell you is the, the private sector, the commercial sector, even the medical sector within the government has absolutely taken off with these medical platforms. For example, the medical community uh, really started using telehealth a couple of years ago. But now telehealth is the norm. You can get a full, uh, a, a, a full appointment to do almost everything you need to do via telehealth. This is a, a technological breakthrough. And the great technological breakthroughs are not coming from the IT community. They're coming from the medical community within the the government apparatus right so so one of the things that and you're right and there's been many platforms over the years that that have provided you know communication i can go all the way back to like merc chat or um yes. you know yes. you know aol services with aim messenger and then you know we had collaborative yes. spaces like ovu etc but one of the things in the workplace though that i really want to touch on because you know this is a leadership platform is it's really the culture and mentality of leaders adopting um 
the mindset that folks can be effective um, outside of the workplace and working from an alternate location, um, whether it's their home or whatever telework location they choose. Um, that's where I've been um, met with resistance among my peers is the thought that people are actually being effective at home. Um, and, you know, they, they, you know, the government is, is, is an institution where they're, they're really stuck on doctrine and saying this is the way it's always been. This is the way we need to do it. Um, and, and I get that. Right. I get um, that it, it's hard to to break the mold, especially with a, such a large institution that wants to train people over and over again the same way. Um, but, you know, talking to some of my my friends on the private sector, um, other CEOs, other um, operations officers and, 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 you know, et cetera, they have adopted it a lot more easily because a lot of the work that they do is very service driven um, and that folks can basically work from anywhere. But um, one of the things that I, I've been trying to, to preach to my, my peers and, and, and others alike is that what is not getting done, right? Absolutely. You know, people left. Absolutely. And that's a great point. You know, people left and, and things are still getting done. Um, you know, tasks are still being knocked out and uh, services are still flowing to customers. Um, and, and it's it, and just because you don't see someone doesn't mean that they're not being effective. And and quite frankly, to be honest, even if they were in the office, would you have left your office to go talk to them to begin with? Um, you know, that's a great point. Uh, That's so, a great point. And I think what you bring up is that there are two key sticking points here that we really need to, to deep dive here just very quickly. Uh, the challenges to progress are demographics and organizational culture. And by that, I mean, with each generation, we have a different communication style, whether it's the greatest generation, whether it's the baby boomers, uh, whether it's Generation X, Y, Centennials and Millennials. Each one of those generations has a different communication style and they have a different outlook and perspective and, and worldview. And now the organizational culture presents a problem because when you when you mix the generational component with the organizational culture, it often inhibits process uh, a progress rather. And it often slows the organizational transformation. So now we're in an environment where if you're talking to the private sector, the bottom line is about revenues. So if I can make the same or more by having a distributed workforce, distributed workforce working remotely, then that's what I'm going to do because that equals greater revenue, especially in, in, in turbulent times. And Amazon has seen this. Uh, even Uber has seen this. Uh, there are many companies that are thriving in this environment. Uh, Facebook, Thou shall not speak the name of Mark Zuckerberg in public, right? <laughs> um, but uh, these companies, even Apple, they are thriving with a distributed workforce that is working remotely. They are they, Their stock prices are, are through the roof. So now let's juxtapose that against the government where you have a, 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 a senior management that is perhaps an older demographic uh, who has always done it that way. I have to see you to know that you're working. When we know we have studies that show we have organizational studies that show that people at work get less done because when they stop at the water cooler, they have a conversation. 
They stop to have a coffee break. They go for a lunch break. They're traveling somewhere. They're dining and they're traveling back. Mm -hmm. They're taking a smoke break. So these organizational studies have shown that during the course of an eight hour workday, there's probably only two and a half hours of real genuine work that is being done. Yeah, so so I've because seen, a lot of that time is in meeting. Yeah, so I've seen you know, meetings and other things. I've seen a Harvard study, you know, Harvard Business Review that talks about uh, at a you know eight and a half to nine hour workday, you're probably getting about five and a half, maybe five and a half hours of productivity. And to your point of real work, though, of real uh, tangible of results, real work, you you might get two and a half hours. It's about and, two and a half. And, and you're right. And I would say that you know, and I'll talk about Eric for a second. Is when. I'm online. I'm online for about 12 to 14 hours when I'm teleworking. Um, I have limited distractions, even with my kids home. Right. I have limited distractions. Um, I don't have the the revolving door um, one per se here. You know, even like when I'm at the office, people standing there. Um, but I think we're more productive because a conversation on teams, for example, if somebody calls me. And I say, man, I don't have that information to give you to help guide you. Let me pull someone else into the conversation. I can do that fairly quickly Um, because one, I know if folks are available, folks are away, folks are busy, whatever the case may be. But I've adopted this. I have changed my perception on telework because when it first when when it was first introduced to me, hey, you should telework. I thought to myself, like, man, I'm not a big fan of telework for myself because I feel like I need to be in in the mix, right? I need to be in the bubble to be effective, but I have found I'm a lot more effective away from the office. Um, I, I have I found the same. Yeah. And, you know, and I get a lot more done and, and, and I would say that I, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that telework while effective and great, it doesn't eliminate the benefits of faith to face and social interaction. Right. That's, that's been, the, I agree. I think that's been the toughest part is, is having that social connection. Um, to what you had mentioned before is, you know, going to lunch, you know, you know, seeing people's mannerisms and seeing if they're up or down or whatever the case may be. Um, but I, it's just really it forced me to, to reach out to people more um, via the, the, the virtual means um, to, to maintain that interaction and, and closeness of, of people. Right. Um, but no, no, I, I just wanted to, to jump in there real quick because it, it's really tough um, to work through the the cultural um, barriers, uh, and indeed and, it is, and and getting folks to understand that you don't have to see people in, at a desk to think that you have control of an organization. Because I think that's what it and comes to that down point, to. Eric. I really want you to consider this. Consider this for a moment. We have just transitioned from a push to talk environment to a bi-directional communication environment, courtesy of the pandemic. We have gone to an email uh, as a method of collaboration to now actually collaborating. So now let's go back to your Teams example. On Teams, I can have a discussion and bring in multiple players, regardless of geographic location, location agnostic. I can share documents we can look at a common document from a common source and have a discussion. We can manipulate that document while people are there. Everyone there can input to that document. 
by making circles, X's, checks. This is what I understand. This is what I don't understand. Please clarify this. We are now in a fully collaborative environment. Whereas before, when we were making meetings, we were sitting in meetings, we were receiving information and then told to go execute on the information we received. That's the push to talk environment. Right. That's one way communication. We are now in an environment where we are fully collaborative. However, due to those two sticking points that, uh, that I mentioned heretofore, you have a, 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 an older paradigm. You have a paradigm that insists upon uh, an environment where I can see you. I can see you walking up and down the halls where I can call you and have you come to my office, which is actually less productive than a person sitting in their home office with their coffee or their tea talking to multiple people about the topic at hand, looking at the document or creating the document during the meeting and having full-blown collaborations with all of the key stakeholders. And watch this, Eric. Here's where it gets even more fascinating. If we determine during the conversation that we have a missing stakeholder, we can just invite them to the meeting. We can just pull them right in. Right. As opposed to sitting in an office saying, hey, we really need somebody here in this meeting, but they work on the other end of the campus or they're not in this city at all. And we can't have them here in this meeting room. So consider that, Eric. Think about that for a moment. Think about how we've transitioned from an environment where we thought we were productive to an environment where we have actually actualized everything we've hoped for, where we're truly productive, and we don't like it. Right. I think the I think the hopes are is that you know um, as we go into twenty twenty one and we get around maybe the summertime frame where. I think, you know, uh, a large amount of folks have would have gotten the vaccine and um, or or have gone through COVID and developed the antibodies, whatever the case may be. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to pretend to be one. Um, this is just my thoughts is that, you know, we, we learn from what we've built on because I think we've 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 pushed, you know, light years in the environment that we're in to to a place where um, collaboration, um, adopting, adapting change um that we we can continue to build on what we've what we've uh we've put in place in in the way that we work today and you know we maximize that telework we reduce the infrastructure that we pay rent on um you know so heavily you know every month and um that we you know we minimize the risk of people getting on the road and you know we focus more on on, on people and their needs and we reduce the amount of childcare that they have to pay for every month. Cause, um, yes. you know, there's, there's those folks out there that probably pay a mortgage just to have their kids being taken care of, which they don't have to pay for now. Um, because, cause you know, the kids get to stay, stay home or something like that because maybe they're not school age. But, um, I, I think that productivity and the focus on people, um, has really been the, the forefront of us having to go out and, 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 and telework and, and, and adapt to this digital transformation. And um, I, I will tell you, I, I, I'm a big fan of it now. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of it now. And, and I know that um, I prefer telework than sitting in the office um, just because I'm more productive. Um, and, and I feel that I have more flexibility when I, when I do telework than, you know, being tied to, 
you know, um, yeah, that concrete, uh, that concrete palace. Right. So, um, yeah. So for, for this episode, uh, Dr. Carter, I will leave you with the last word. Um, if there's anything that you really want to push out, any message that you want to push out to the audience, and then we'll, we'll close this one up and then we'll move on to the next episode. Okay. I, I would like to leave, uh, you, Eric and the audience with this. This is the time for courageous leadership. What courageous leadership will do for us now is push us toward the inevitable. We have always known this was coming. Uh, the dependence on technological platforms uh, to collaborate over geographic boundaries. It is now time for courageous leadership to embrace it to promote it, to better support the people. Because at the end of the day, there are certain hygiene factors that are ignored in the workplace uh, when we are in a confined space. This collaborative environment allows us to address those hygiene factors, have happier employees, more productive employees, and for those that are in the private sector, generate greater revenues, even in times of turbulence. So thank you for your time, Eric. Yeah, and thank you. So um, for those that uh, are uh, joining us back from uh, season one to season two, I want to thank you for uh, joining us here at Leadership is Tricky. Um, I'm going to go through the same spiel that I used to go through. We are on all major uh, podcast outlets, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Chartbox, you name it, we're there. Um you can also find us at leadershipistricky.com where we will post all of our episodes. Uh, season one will remain there, um, you know, as we transition uh, further into season two. I'll make sure that I have um, our archive of episodes for you guys to access. Um, we will also post all articles um, that we reference on the podcast um, to our article section of the website. So please uh, take a look there. Um Dr. Carter, uh, again, you know, he is a Harvard senior executive fellow. He is a Ph.D. He is a mentor. He is a friend. And uh, we would uh, we are very thankful that uh, he's agreed to uh, do multiple episodes with us here on Leadership is Tricky. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Carter. Um, uh, Stephen Alec uh, will join us um, in, in a few weeks as we do a retrospective of his leadership challenge that we highlighted in uh, season one. We have uh, CEO spotlights already lined up. We have other um, leaders in different communities that uh, are doing great things with the youth um, or other programs that don't really get highlighted out there. Um, so we do have some folks like Eric Collier, who's out of Maryland, who's doing great things with the youth. Um, he is a motivational speaker. So we do have an episode coming up for him. We are going to highlight Things like the Black Lives Matter movement and those folks at the forefront of that movement, um, because it takes courageous leadership, as Dr. Carter uh, mentioned, to be out there to enact change. Um, we are going to talk about other um, movements out there, whether it's in the mental health space um, and or, or um, uh, gender bias or gender equality and things like that this season. So um Stay tuned. Thank you for coming back and, and meeting with us um, and, and listening to us, whether you're commuting, whether you're at home, whether you're working out. Um, we're just glad to be a part of your lives. So with that, um, see you on the next episode.